The second lesson this morning comes from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 11, verses 1 to 11. Hear the word of the Lord. When they were approaching Jerusalem at Bethphage and Bethany, near the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, and he said to them, Go into the village ahead of you. And immediately as you enter it, you will find tied there a colt that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it. And if anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Just say this, the Lord needs it and will send it back here immediately. They went away and they found a colt tied near a door outside in the street. And as they were untying it, some of the bystanders said to them, What are you doing untying the colt? And they told them what Jesus had said, and they allowed them to take it. Then they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it, and he sat on it. And many people spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread leafy branches that they had cut in the fields. Then those who went ahead and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our ancestor David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Then he entered Jerusalem and went into the temple. And when he had looked around at everything, and as it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, today we mark this Sunday carefully as people who are centered and oriented around the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because this is the moment that will send the rest of the week in motion, right? This is sort of the entering moment where the momentum starts to gather for the coming week. And unlike other times in the narrative of Jesus, the important thing that the gospel writer is doing in this particular story that we heard today is that the gospel writer is leading us into the importance of place. The importance of place. And I want to say a little bit about that because in the first sentence that we read, in Mark chapter 11, in verse 1, you'll notice that there is a place that is mentioned four times, at least four times, and all of those locations are actually relatively close to us in the sentence. It's as if, if we were to translate it into today's writing, it might look a little bit like this. Just as he was entering into Seattle, near White Center, just around Soto and Georgetown, okay? So you've got the fact that the place has really been illuminated. In fact, if you know Seattle well, in your mind's eye, you have been brought just to the place of entry, right? So that's what that gospel writer is doing as he paints that scene. You know just where Jesus is going to enter the city. 
And that is the point of today's text, or at least one of the points. One of the things that we have the privilege of doing as the community of faith is that every year we come around this story. But today, this year, as we come around it in the Gospel of Mark, what I want to note is that this is not an abstract story. It's located in a place. There are other times throughout the gospel where we hear Jesus teaching and where place is maybe not so much important. We, we get the sense that he is maybe um, on sort of a hill within a field or other times the writer will tell us that he's on a boat situated so that the crowds can hear him. And then in the, within the context of those teachings, we have sort of the elegance of, te- of Jesus' way of helping us to understand the law. Or perhaps he's giving us a story that carries into the way that he wants to communicate the kingdom of God. But in this particular gospel narrative today, it's the importance of place that is going to matter. In fact, we, uh, we find out that Jesus is heading right into the center of the city. And not only to the center of the city, but he's actually going right into the temple. And when we think about the temple, I want us to think about something not like the wonderful cathedral that we have in Seattle that sits kind of over the hill. We actually have two cathedrals. We have the Episcopal one and the Catholic one in Seattle. So we have two lovely cathedrals. But when Jesus enters into the city of Jerusalem, it's actually more like he's heading into the town hall, into the civic center, because this was the place where the nation actually actually oriented their work. This was the place where the leaders of the nation did their work. So he's entering not onto the periphery, but into the center. Keep in mind also that Jesus has enough momentum around his ministry as he does this work, that as he enters into that place, that he has enough of a reputation for people to kind of know enough about him that they might call him a prophet king. And they pick up on some of these themes that Carol so lovely, that she read so wonderfully in uh, Psalm 118. They pick up on some of these themes that would have been celebrated around the Passover time. There was always kind of this... this, this shadow or this theme of the coming king who would come. And so when the people pick up on these themes, they're actually picking up on some of the songs that would have been sung as they enter into the temple. So when Jesus gets onto this donkey and the crowds come and they lay down their branches cut from the field, that's picking up on one theme of the story. But Jesus takes that theme and he does something very specific with it. He heads right into the center of the city. He heads right into the place where power was forged. He makes a choice at that point to enter into the place where he is, in fact, least welcome, where he is most threatened. And within that space, he claims that as part of his calling. And that, my friends, is one of the great scandals and also the great hope of the gospel. 
It's the reason why we gather together on Sundays, why we've inherited this wonderful tradition of putting up our Christmas trees, while we'll come together next Sunday to sing these lovely hymns that have been written in the honor of this gospel, why we still have the ability to practice the hospitality of this table. It's the reason why we walk through this next week to begin with. Because when Jesus walks or rides into the city in Jerusalem, he is making the claim that he does not want to exist on the periphery of human history, but that he wants to exist in the center. And that is the foremost claim of the Christian text. It's not just that Jesus wants to exist along the sidelines, but that he wants to go the place where he is least welcomed, where he is most threatened, and that is the place that he is going to occupy as the place where the kingdom of God will begin. It's no short, shorter than utter scandal and ridiculousness when you really think about it. If he went in to Jerusalem and walked along the periphery, people could have laid down their coats and waved their palms, and maybe the chief priest wouldn't have really even cared that much. But he goes to the place where he resists and challenges their power intentionally. And that's the reason why we walk the road that we do this week. He doesn't go to the sidelines. He chooses to go to the center. And Mark wants us to make no mistake about it. Four times we are told where he enters from the city. Two times within the text we're told that he enters into the center of the temple. It's a very weighty claim, and it's unique. It's unique because it means that as we gather around this week, that we are really holding this idea that Jesus holds the authority of human history, and that somehow this whole thing is riding on his shoulders. As he makes his way down that road through Bethphage and Bethany near the Mount of Olives and into Jerusalem, the claim that he is making as he walks that road is that God, the one who is incarnate in the person of Jesus Christ, enters into the mess and the muck and the downright filth of human history, and that is the place where he is going to enact transformation. Not on the sidelines, but in the center. This is how he is going to set up his authority, not by circling around, which would have played it safe, by the way, but by entering in, which is going to lead by fri- to Friday, by the way. That's the one that we follow. That's the one that we're oriented around as we gather together this morning. That's the one who set up this table for us to practice. It's the one who we will proclaim next week. It is the one who enters in, and we must not make any mistake about it. 
And I've been thinking about this a lot as we've created these various outreach teams throughout the course of Northminster. We've been thinking again about what it means to be in the neighborhood, about what it means to enter in to the place where we are, right? How to connect with the people around us. We've been taking this whole idea of our location seriously, that we are placed where we are, not as an escape, but actually for active, vital, and relevant engagement. That that is the purpose of the community of faith, right? And we've got various teams set up throughout our church that are taking that seriously and trying to think about how it is that we do that work. And we'll continue to see how that plays out. Some of it's going to play out in a rummage sale that's going to be happening sometime later in June, and there'll be more information about that coming. Friends, for those of you that had the opportunity last year to read Brian Stevenson's book, Just Mercy, I know that some of you had the chance to read that, not all of you. Uh, It was the story about how Brian Stevenson's calling took shape as he worked first um, as a defendant and then became a defendant around those who were placed on death row. And then he followed that work into the developing of his nonprofit organization that is called the Equal Justice Initiative, And over the last five to six years, that organization has really sort of taken off within our national landscape. People have really come around it in a unique way. And one of the projects that they have been working on over the last few weeks, and that they actually, well, not just weeks, but months, probably years, actually, and that they will be unveiling in this next month is something that they are calling the Legacy Museum. The Legacy Museum. And the Legacy Museum is actually built on the site of a former warehouse where black people were enslaved in Montgomery, Alabama. Okay, so they've taken that space where there was a history of enslavement that is smack in the middle of a state that was founded around the necessity of slavery for economic growth. They have taken that space, and now they are creating within that very space something that is called a legacy museum that will tell the story for truth-telling and issues of racial inequity within the context of our culture, within our nation, and within Montgomery, Alabama. Do you see what they did there? They entered into the city. They didn't run away from their history. They entered into it. And they didn't run away to the outskirts, but they made their way right to the center of the problem, into a place where there were some of the darkest patterns of human history, and that is the place where they are going to begin setting up patterns for healing. And that is exactly what Jesus is doing here today. He's going to the epicenter. He makes his way to the eye of the hurricane. And he does it on a donkey. Claiming not that he will come in power, not that he will come in might, but that he will come 
to the places of power and to the places of authority in only justice and mercy. That's it. That's his only claim as he sets up on that road to the temple. And if you'll notice, when he gets there, he looks around and he notices it was dark. And he heads right back to Bethany with the twelve. Begs the question of why the journey even happened to begin with. But it happens to set the stage for what his mission is. To go to the center with nothing but justice and mercy. Friends, there are a lot of questions about God within the context of our culture. There are a lot of questions about suffering. There are questions about the human future. There are questions about power. There are questions about the care of the earth. We are living within a very tumultuous time of history where we see even the bedrock of our democratic union being sort of shaken. Okay, We don't need to be afraid of that. We can call it what it is. And many of us also have sort of a tumultuous individual history with it happening within the scope of our own life. We're dealing with divorce or disappointment or death or addiction or other forms of oppression that we might not want to bring to the forefront of the conversation. But there they are. They're there. They're, they're there. We don't need to pretend like they're not. This morning, we have the privilege of coming around a God who calls us to the very center of that story with all of its problems, claiming that we are not exempted from the pain of human history. You see, that's one of the great mistakes that we have sort of that's our temptation as people who are spiritual within our culture. We sort of think that God has exempted us from the pain of human history. But that's not the case. God has given us hope by none other than entering into it. And that is the gospel that we come around and that we proclaim. And friends, if God can enter in, if Jesus can enter in, then we have the best pioneer that we could ever hope for, right? We don't need to be afraid. It is scary out there. It is downright terrifying sometimes. That's what we've got. But we've got someone in front of us who has led the way. He started on that road on the donkey, and he head right into the temple. And friends, I promise you, it was terrifying. It was terrifying. It's going to lead to Thursday and Friday. But he did it. And he's the one that we follow. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we follow none other but you. You are the one that has earned our trust, that is worthy of our praise. You are the one who has entered in fully into the filth and muck and fear. 
And so even when we're afraid and trembling, when we wonder what to do, we know that in that place we are not alone. There's one who's gone before us. There's one who is there with us. Because you did it on the donkey so long ago. Lord, we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.